day. And from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took a route through the interior and came to Ephesus where he found some disciples. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you came to believe? And they replied, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And then he said, well, what baptism did you receive then? And they answered, John's baptism. Paul explained, John baptized with a baptism by which people showed they were changing their hearts and lives. It was a baptism that told people about the one who was coming after him. This is the one in whom they were to believe. This one is Jesus. After they listened to Paul, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in other languages and prophesying. Altogether, there were about 12 people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think many of you know that we record our worship services early usually on Thursday evenings, so they can be edited and posted by Sunday morning at 8 a.m. It's a time-consuming process, but we do it in order to present the highest quality sound and video possible for those worshiping at home, as well as greater flexibility on timing for when you can participate virtually. And while there are many benefits to this approach, one downside for the preacher is the three days between Thursday and Sunday morning. Now there's a lot that can happen in three days. Think Monday, Thursday to Easter Sunday. A lot that can happen. And eventually we'll move to live stream when we need to accommodate both in-person and virtual worshipers. But for now, here we are on a Thursday and you are listening at least three days later and our task is to proclaim the gospel without knowing what lies ahead. To build up the faithful, to live out our baptismal calling, and to fervently pray for our nation 
no matter how the story ends. On January 6th, the day of Epiphany, as Congress sought to ratify the election of Joe Biden for president, we saw an angry mob of white men and women storming the Capitol, pushing through barricades, breaking windows, trespassing on the floor of the House, occupying our legislature's offices, attacking police, replacing American flags with Trump flags, and justifying these acts of sedition with misguided patriotism. It was a frightening scene, and it showed our country at its worst. It showed us what white privilege looks like. A woman lost her life. Officers were seriously injured. The critical work of democracy was disrupted. Our hearts were broken. And perhaps most disturbing of all, we heard bombastic and inflammatory words from the president. And some of those listening to his voice found reason to turn a peaceful protest into an angry mob bent on destruction. Lord, have mercy. Words matter. Truth matters. And the voices we choose to listen to shape our lives and our values. No matter how old you are, I bet you can still remember the voice of your mother or father or grandparents. The voices of your favorite actors and musicians from younger years may still ring in your ears. The voices of your coaches and teachers that never fully go away. And some voices are so distinctive, they can be easily identified over multiple generations. Martin Luther King Jr., John F. Kennedy, James Earl Jones, Aretha Franklin, to name a few. Lately, I've been listening to Barack Obama's biography, read in his own voice. And I heard him recount the gracious call by John McCain conceding the race on election day and the warm welcome George Bush gave him to the White House upon inauguration. The list of things I took for granted grows. The peaceful transfer of power, humility and leadership, respectful debate, voices calling for moderation, reconciliation, negotiation, and peace. Today's scriptures center on the voice of God. In Genesis, when the wind from God swept over the face of the waters, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus comes to the waters for baptism as the heavens are torn apart and the Spirit descends like a dove on him and a voice comes from heaven, you are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. In the book of Acts, when Paul speaks about the Holy Spirit and people listen and they're baptized with water and they find their own voice to speak of the things of God. In each case, there was a voice, a sudden revelation, an epiphany. Today, we celebrate the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ as he stepped into the Jordan River with all the other ordinary people. 
Theologian Karl Barth proposed that God's claiming of Jesus in this story summarizes the essence of the entire gospel. The astonishing claim that God does not will to remain hidden in the heights of heaven, but descends to the depths of earthly life in order to be seen and heard by us finite creatures. God has always been moving through the stuff of the earth, and this gospel story is drenched in tactile details river water and camel's hair and a diet of bugs and tying shoes and a bird analogy of the dive-bombing Holy Spirit and the weather phenomenon of the skies splitting open and the voice that once again can be heard over the waters, a, a generative, forbearing, and authoritative voice that resonates in nature and in Scripture and in Jesus. So today, too, we reflect on the significance of our own baptism and on that lifelong task of learning what voices to listen to and learning how to hear God's voice in the chaos. And as we do so, we remember that the center of the Christian life is the baptismal font. This is where we hear a voice that tells us the truth about ourselves, that claims us as God's own beloved children, and where God's own spirit claims us and anoints us for service in the world. The baptismal font is the source of our identity. It is our grounding. It is our belonging. It's where we discover we're family, that there is a place for us where we're welcomed and made holy together. It's a reminder that even in the chaos and the wilderness, God's transforming power is at loose in the world, challenging everything that distorts, that, that disfigures human life and God's good creation and empowers us to give our energy and to give our voices to God's project of healing what is broken. There's a reason we keep the font up front in the sanctuary, even though we use it only a few times a year. It's a reminder to reorient ourselves again and again to this center, this water, so we don't lose our bearings. For everywhere we turn, there will be other voices calling us away they may make promises and offer gifts and stage a parade and shoot guns in the air and seek peace that will be for some but not for all, a peace without justice. But the baptismal font challenges every other claim to power and summons us to follow Jesus Christ and thereby participate by God's grace and the Holy Spirit as God's beloved children in God's work of mending the creation, restoring the creation, reconciling with one another. So much has been revealed in this past year. So much that we didn't want to see. So much has come out 
that we can't help but see now in the pandemic, in racial injustice, in despicable chaos in our nation's capital. And since we celebrated Epiphany last Sunday, I've been thinking about those magi. I've been thinking about how their arrival, bearing gifts and looking for Jesus, how it, how it triggered the fear and insecurity of King Herod, who spoke words concealed with affection and honor, trying to mask his sinister intentions. But the Magi resisted Herod's deception, and they saw him for what he was, a paranoid king bent on preserving his own power. They heard something in his voice, threatened by the news of the newborn king, one who would feed the flock in the strength of the Lord, one bent on securing peace for all. Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Magi saw the light in the darkness. They grasped the true reality of God's presence, and they traveled toward that light. They sensed the danger in Herod's voice, and they traveled away from it. And they saw clearly the difference between divine and corrupt power. May we be wise enough to do likewise. May all the epiphanies of this past year reveal something for us that is more true than what we've known. Something worth working together for and sacrificing for. Something that will bring justice for all people. As individuals and as a church, we need to be vigilant in grasping the true reality of God's presence. We need to travel toward the light and guard the falsehoods that seek to enter our homes and our hearts and our screens. We need to keep raising our voices for peace and justice and an end to lies and violence. God's voice has been revealed to us in Scripture and in the life of Jesus Christ. And the more we train ourselves to listen for that voice, the more we will be able to bravely live out our baptismal promises in a world that too easily makes us anxious and afraid. Those first Christians in the early days, when, when they became baptized, when they, they made promises then, those promises were revolutionary. They meant something. It changed their lives. It changed their orientation and their belonging. They weren't pledging their ultimate loyalty to Caesar, but to God Almighty. And they built their lives from those baptismal promises. I know many of us were too young to remember what was promised, either on our behalf or by us at our baptism. So I'm going to ask you today to respond to these three questions wherever you are. I'm going to give you a minute to get up and get a cup of water that you can dip your fingers into later and put it beside you. And though baptism is a public sacrament, your answers in this reaffirmation will be in the privacy of your own space, but no less meaningful and heard by God.
trusting in the gracious mercy of God? Do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? I do. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? I will, with God's help. If you have some water nearby, I invite you to renew your baptism by dipping your hand in the water and then tracing the shape of the cross on your forehead with wet fingers. Remember your baptism and be thankful 